0: And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs. Hello, hello. We're at a place called Vertigo. You're back with Irreverent, and today, your hosts, me, Jamie Franklin, and Daniel French. Daniel, we have been away for ages. I'm sure people have been looking forward to your return to your resurrection, to your uh, recidivism—is that the right word? I don't know. Steady on. <laughs> Trying to think of different words for return. Um, anyway, uh, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm doing fine actually. We had a good. We had a good break. We um, went up to firstly went up to Aberdeen to uh, um, participate in the wedding of our goddaughter. Then took a ferry to Europe. Um, wow. I know we're all in Europe, but you know what I mean? Onto the mainland yeah, no, Europe. Well, no,
0: yeah, no, we know exactly what you mean. You took a
1: ferry from, uh, um, to Europe. Yeah. Uh, our first stop was an intriguing place, not one I'd necessarily returned to. It was Amsterdam. Mm. Uh, mm, but a bit of a tragic, of, tragic of, place of, there, really. In fact, yeah, in fact the hotel that we stayed in, beautiful, brand new hotel. We had no idea of this until we arrived, was that it? Um, it, it was a converted presbytery. Cool. next to a contemporary, get this, a contemporary church that was now uh, being, dec- uh, being deconsecrated because of population shift. Right. Next door was the church. Du-du-dum. They're building a mosque. Mm. Um, and what was tragic was that as the builders, were, were, while we were there, were taking stuff out of the church, um, the altar was basically just left on the street smashed up mm. that is I, it. I, felt, I mean my wife and i were saying gosh you know if, if we had a van we'd put the altar in the van
0: yeah
1: <laughs> take it i mean yeah. the ferry company might have something to say but you know you had this sort of feeling yeah just, oh, i really want to sort of chip a bit of this off and take it and preserve it but what you know it was a really sort of powerful symbol mm. of where we are and uh and we went through the you know you see the city it's got its I I don't have a very good sense of smell, so um, uh, I've never really quite uh, um, got the smell of cannabis. But even I, my poor sense of smell was was overwhelmed by this sickly smell. And you know, just uh, and for all the all these sort of promise of paradise, I can remember getting onto the tube, and there's a huge notice saying, you know, in this city, one in five. Teenagers have suicidal thoughts. Boom, boom. Yeah, you know? I thought, well, yeah, this isn't exactly um, the paradise that was promised. We That's then went on because to- they're
0: all smoking weed. I imagine. Yeah,
1: exactly. I hate it. I, I mean, yeah. I, I really, really have a uh, passionate yeah. dislike of um, weed, marijuana, drugs, uh, and what have you. Yeah, we, we went on to Brussels. I, I grew up in Brussels for about three years, so it was really sweet to go back. I have been back for forty odd years, forty-five years. The um, home of the home of technocracy. Yeah, the home of technocracy. Um, I, I, apparently, where we lived was about a mile away from where Boris Johnson also went to primary school. So, really, we must have passed each other. Um, I
0: realize he went to school in Brussels. Yeah, yeah. Her dad, well, dad was
1: a, dad's a big Europhile, isn't he? Mm, Word mm. for the Commission and all sorts. Um, Stanley. Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh, and. Um, then, um, then, went to Bruges for a few days. Oh, lovely um, Bruges, um, not Bruges! Absolutely, Bruges. Went to see um, um, the in the in the centre. There is a there there is the sort of shrine church to a, a miraculous relic. Mm. Uh, apologies to those who aren't into relics, but it was quite something to see. That's a, supposed to be a, a a handkerchief with the blood. Of the blood, blood of Christ, Christ. Yeah. taken by Joseph of Arimathea, and it has a, a long kind of patrimony mm. um, in in the in the town's history. Uh, and Amazing. aside from the one way driving scheme, which drove me absolutely nuts, <laughs> um, Bruges was lo- was really lovely. And and then we then we took a very long drive to an Airbnb. We'd we'd gone to La Rochelle. Now uh, La, La Rochelle was um, glorious. You know, yeah it's civilized um so um yeah come back quite relaxed yes
0: um, i'm i'm pleased
1: and uh, the, the weekend and here we are in you know 30 odd degrees i
0: know well oh this, uh, this, this climate change it's so annoying isn't it giving us these beautiful some sun, sunny days in, in 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 early september what's all this about hey daniel i went to the march for life um the I hated, yeah. Yeah, yeah and i saw a number of podcast listeners which was really really encouraging because you know you just make the podcast and you're going to put it out there and and you you know you know you see numbers of people listening but mm. you don't actually meet people and actually meeting people who listen it really is it's it's it's, it's very humbling just to think that anyone listens to this it was show was good
1: numbers wasn't it from what they they've said that they had about seven well, thousand.
0: Yeah I don't yeah. I don't know. I mean there I could all like it. I, I that was fantastic. Yeah, those, it seemed like there were lots of people there. But anyway, mm-hmm. we'll talk about a little bit of, uh, in detail later but just to say, you know, a big shout out to those people I met. Yeah. Uh, at the Can um, I give a
1: shout out to Tom Harvey? Mm. Uh Tom and Kelly I uh, conducted their wedding over the uh over the weekend. Tom is a local fisherman. Nice. And um is an a um, is a massive irreverent fan. Great. Uh May's mother is now a massive irreverent fan Amazing. and he goes around talking about it. So, you know, wow. uh, th- this is uh, this is a fisherman who's doing something really beneficial, beneficial for um, for us and uh, mm. for what we're trying to do and and he loves it and his mother told me during the wedding reception that you know um, since lockdowns and everything over the last few years um, since sort of tuning in a bit more to what the spirit is saying he's he's changed mm. um, so tom well shout out to you and i think my message as i said at the uh at, at the homily don't worry if you feel like jelly simon peter felt like jelly a lot of the time be a rock
0: mm. awesome love it uh well yes who is who, who was his name again did you say tom harvey Tom Harvey, you're a legend, Tom. Thank you very much for promoting the show. We really appreciate it. And congratulations on your wedding, your marriage, and uh, prayers for, for your first year. I um, mm. hope it goes really well. Hey, Daniel, i just got a few... Um, just quick notices, not to bore anyone, but just a few things to update people on. So the church search is, uh, I've got lots of uh, churches to put up. So apologies if your church hasn't gone up yet. just takes a bit of time. Uh, if you'd like to find a church to go to, you're thinking, oh, I'd like to be a Christian or I'd like to go to church, go to our website, reverendpod.com, and you can find our church finder in the top right-hand corner. And there we put a handy little uh, map up, and people recommend churches that they, people might like who listen to this podcast. So you can do that, and you can also put your church on there by just finding the form and filling that in so uh, those do go up and um, just takes a bit of time but we've got lots up there now we've got we had uh, we've got some across the world as well which is quite exciting mm. quite a few in america uh i noticed we had
1: some we had some questions about are there any churches in the sort of somerset area that people would recommend right. so um, if, if you are as a listener from yeah uh, that please. part of the southwest and you go to a church that you want to give the thumbs up to do go onto the website and uh log that in
0: yeah, and also um, that reminds me. Actually, anywhere in East Anglia, you know, in sort of um, Suffolk, around Norwich area, there's not very much there. So, if anyone's got churches around that area, please do go there and fill out the form, which is on the is in in the same place on the website. Good shout, Daniel. Uh, we haven't plugged our merchandise rages, so uh, I'm wearing the Reverend hat today, and I've got the Reverend's um, mug. And we've also got Reverend T-shirts as well, two different types of T-shirts, one with Dick Dellingpole's amazing drawings of us and then one with the uh, incredible... um logo and and so on um so if you want to get your irreverent merch please do go to the website and it's all on there you just click on merch and you can buy some stuff um that really helps us and also you can have the merch which is obviously what it's really about and then the final thing i just wanted to plug just in case anyone's interested because I, I don't really like sharing on on twitter to be honest with you because it's you know it's 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 more it's more of a sort of personal thing to me and i think it would be the kind of thing that listeners to the show would would be more interested than me just putting it out there on Twitter uh, is my Substack, which is, is called Good Things. And um, it's just me sort of showing, showing good things that in my life, you know, books I read, experiences I have, that kind of stuff. Just trying to stay positive, really, and to um, to fill my mind with edifying thoughts by writing about them. So it's jamiefranklin.substack.com. There is a small paywall uh, to get the whole thing. I, I release a lot of it free, um, but there's a small paywall for the whole thing. Um, it just really helps me because I rely on the income I make from online stuff and um, to live. So if you want to follow my Substack, please do, jamiefranklin.substack.com. Uh, go and subscribe to Good Things. Now, Daniel, last week I found the episode quite depressing and uh, a number of people did said the same thing. So we're going to try and have a more encouraging episode this week. And there are reasons this to be encouraged. This isn't a sort of fake or artificial thing. So I've got a few emails that I'd like to read throughout the show just to sort of Make people, you know, see the good stuff and and recognize that there are good things going on. So I'll start with this one to begin with. Um, from Jane, uh, dear Jamie, Tom, and Daniel, like many people, I've changed in recent years. Thanks in part to you and irreverent, I've found faith and was baptized into the Catholic Church at Easter this year. Uh, about a month ago, my priest came to me and said that a young man had approached him as he was being ba- um sorry, as he was baptized as a baby into the Church of England, but was interested in becoming Catholic. Father Michael asked if Um, I suppose that should say, if I could talk to him as a person who had recently come into the Catholic Church and share my experience. Then two weeks ago, a new person appeared in the pew in front of me, another young man. I said hello afterwards, and he explained that he recently decided to become Christian. And through his interest in in, and study of history, had concluded that the Catholic Church was where he belonged. I don't know if he's approached our preach yet. These men are in their 20s or 30s. Um, It strikes me that they don't really tie in with the C of E view that the church needs to be more relevant. Does it? Best wishes and thanks as always. No, it doesn't. But it's fantastic to hear that. It's really good.
1: When I was in La La Rochelle, we went on Sunday to the cathedral, Uh, Sunday mass, all in French. Um, um, And and what was interesting in La Rochelle on Sunday mass was looking around something that I hadn't really seen before. Um, particularly in the catholic church but uh you know i'm seeing it from place to place and i'm sure you're seeing it too is um what what i what i would call serious you know serious young men serious young women in church very dressed differently Mm. smart suits rosaries kneeling Mm. uh, responding well looking attentive uh And uh, I'm there doing a head count. Uh, You know, it's about 200 in the congregation. Uh, It's a stiflingly hot day. Uh, And I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, -hmm. six, seven, -hmm. eight, nine, ten. And there's about a dozen of these characters. Uh, And it it reminded me a bit of um, like like the sort of people that go to a sort of Jordan Peterson rally, you know, and he says, Mm -hmm. Wear, wear wear a three piece suit and smart smart shoes and you yeah, know, yeah make yourself uh, and I thought oh you know is is this becoming a sort of um, a badge really then that, mm. that that a uh, uh, sort of return to Sunday best mm. uh, that that these people are um, not only tidying their room uh, tidying their soul uh, they're tidying themselves as they present themselves to worship now mm-hmm. you know. I'm not making a big deal. Christianity isn't about what you dress, mm. uh, but it's it certainly, I thought, oh, in this sort of post-modern world, maybe that's, if you want to be against the culture, that's how you present yourself mm. Uh, mm. is, you know, you, you come to church looking like you mean business. Mm. And uh, I, I saw the same in Bruges. Uh, and I thought, I've never seen this before. Uh, perhaps, Perhaps this is something that is, uh, you know, as a phenomenon and is happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, but um, does that does that ring any bells? Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've I've seen that even in my context um, somewhat. And I think, you know, that, you know, I think back to that video, you know, Jordan Peterson with the churches, you know, his message to the churches and how young men are just sort of told by this culture to essentially be what they're not and what all their instincts tell them they're not. The Jordan Peterson thing, I think it's it's kind of saying that the you know young men are being told by our culture not to do and not to be what they really are and what their instincts tell them that they are and and what and and what their instincts tell them to do. And what we can do as as churches is we can appeal to those instincts. And part of those instincts, I think, is they are to do with with creating order, um, you know, um rising to challenges, being being stretched, um, learning new things. Um, that that kind of stuff that he talks about. So I, I definitely see that, and I, I think, yeah. think Do you, you not was... feel
1: there's there's a kind of aesthetic with it as well that my notice is at NatCon that you know, people uh, under the age of thirty who were there, who James Orr says was about forty percent, mm. uh, you know, dressed in a similar serious way mm. uh, and uh, had a kind of their, their conversations were high cultured in an unpretentious way which is
2: mm.
1: not always the way that things can happen that way but I, I, you know the, the, these were these were folks who were not necessarily on the the, the high end of pay mm. or, or in the best of economic circumstances from what i could you know work out they were sort of early career types and they hadn't come from necessarily from mm. well-heeled families but they presented well and they were all generally people of faith, uh, and just their their interests in terms of food, wine, music, clothing, had a particular take. Right. Uh, and I thought, how interesting. You know, this is this is this is um uh th- this is kind of like the new punk. Right. Okay. Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I see I see what you're saying. I suppose the sort of the slight um sort of caution i have about it is that we don't you know if we sort of frame it as a sort of movement within culture then movements within culture are transitory aren't aren't they so they they will inevitably change and move on and i think i don't know what the best way of thinking about it is but i suppose the best way of thinking about it is we want to appeal to such we want to use the opportunity that we have now you know the sort of the the temporary opportunity that we have now to 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 connect people to something which is of eternal and infinite value, and we—if it were a different time, we might have to do it in a different way. But I think calling—I think particularly calling young men to something above themselves, you know, something kind of aspirational—that is actually pretty unique in this culture, where men are being told that you know they're they are you know aggressive uh misogynist rapists and that you know that if they desire to get married and have children and raise a family uh then they are sort of necessarily um patriarchal and oppressive and blah 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 and all the rest of it you know we want to take advantage of this by calling it out for the nonsense that it actually is and 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 offering them a, a real a real um challenge a real life as a man and what that mm-hmm. actually means so yeah
1: um And maybe one advantage of it for for us uh, is, and for our listeners, is that this potentially gives us the ability to spot each other as well Mm. in cathedrals and churches. Uh, If you're looking out for other serious, smaller Orthodox Christians, or those who are coming new to faith, or potential potential um, people on that journey, that um, there there is a way that those people sort of carry themselves, uh, and I just thought that was fun. Laura Sherland sitting there doing a head count. Yeah. Thinking, oh well this is interesting yeah.
0: well, I've, I've definitely I've definitely seen it I've definitely seen it here and I think it's obviously true in other countries as well and you can see it and I think particularly in the traditional Latin mass we just need to carry we just need to carry on with this Daniel because mm. this is this is uh, it's it's clearly the case that we have an opportunity uh, I we'll talk about this later obviously yeah
1: like, maybe, maybe what we then. need is uh, irreverent merch cufflinks. Yeah,
0: maybe you know, with a little kind of I R or something, like that. but but I mean what what I was going to say is that you know we'll we'll talk about it later because I'm be interested in your thoughts on the time survey thing. But the the difficult thing is that there's a counterculturalism that exists both in society and in the church as well. So we have to stick to our guns because we are we're receiving pressure not only from the culture. In fact, it's not it's not so bad receiving pressure pressure from the culture. You know who cares? That's to be expected. It's when it's coming from inside the church as well. And the same, you know, the, the church is amplifying the the poisonous toxin that's coming from the culture and and implying that like this is the way to do ministry and this is what you need to buy into. What we need to do is we need to um remain faithful and then as the Lord blesses our, our ministries, make it clear. To the world and to the rest of the church, that so God blesses faithfulness and He doesn't bless, you know, unfaithfulness and capitulation to to the to the culture. I don't I don't know whether you heard you, you we haven't talked about it. I'm sure you didn't hear it, but I was interviewed for um the uh, the Sunday program on Radio Four this week. Oh um, no, I haven't heard that. I heard yeah, I
1: heard some other ones. That you yeah, were, I mean, it's,
0: it, honestly, Daniel, the the program is is crazy because it's entitled like the the faith lives of sex workers or something like that. Anyway, my bit is just at the beginning. It's about the time survey. I mean, where do they come up with these ideas? My bit's about the time about the time survey. And they've got a bunch of, you know, talking heads like clergy. And and I just did a, a five-minute interview and they cut it into a little bit, which is interspersed with these other clergy. But I I'm pretty much the only one saying that we need to just uh, be faithful to what's been delivered to us and 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 to repeat it in this generation to pass it on to the next generation uh, without without capitulating to culture and changing but everyone else is saying well you know the culture is reflective of christian values we just need to go with the culture you know etc cetera, etc cetera. um so we're i feel like we're a lone voice but i can't see it any other way daniel because to me capitulation is just death i, d- I am not capitulating to this culture to me, all the signs are that this culture is completely post-Christian in 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 major major areas to do with with family, to do with human sexuality, to just to do with our understanding of what humanity is, and you can see it manifested in so many obvious ways. But but just to re- just to refer to this thing about masculinity, you could apply it to this area as well to the complete sort of breakdown of. Uh, any kind of conception of what it means to be a man to be a godly man or to just to be a responsible man um is you know we just completely we've completely lost that sense and i think when you do say to to young men like you can see with jordan Peterson, in a, albeit in a sort of less obviously christian way but when you do say to them no you've got you you're called to take responsibility for certain things in your life and that responsibility is going to fulfill you and that's going to make you what you're supposed to be men will respond to that they definitely will you know, so mm-hmm. we just need to say, keep saying that.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. We, we can't but, but win in that. And uh, yeah, and, and the culture is only really at the beginnings of its um, own machinations. And okay. as I mentioned to you earlier on in that billboard in Amsterdam, you know, one in five yeah teenagers are now having suicidal thoughts in supposed paradise.
0: Yep. Yeah. 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 And it's the same thing in our culture, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we've got different kind of hot button issues here. um, But I mean, there is obviously overlap, but it's a similar thing in our culture. Mm. This is meant to be the free liberal, you know, late, late modern um, capitalist utopia, which which is delivered to us all happiness and freedom and so on and yet why are people so utterly miserable and lost and we're going to talk about that aren't we in our, in, our, mm-hmm. in our we're not, I I don't know whether we should call it Twits on twitter anymore because people started getting upset about that but we've got an extraordinary clip from twitter we're going to we're going to air later just for a bit of fun but Daniel let's do a bit of bible shall mm-hmm. we we're just carrying on with the acts of the apostles this is just a few verses um we're going to read but let's say uh, let's say the lord's prayer together and uh, so I got an email this week criticizing me for saying let's do a prayer not allowed to say that anymore so apologies for saying that i just thought it was a kind of humorous way of introducing mm. prayer but i'm not allowed to say that anymore so let's say a prayer let us pray <laughs> the lord's prayer um together so I'll, I'll pray this and you can do a prayer at the end daniel because you always do that really well so let's do a uh, lord the, oh sorry let's say the lord's prayer our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen so yeah just re- re- um uh, re- continuing sorry to the with the acts of the apostles so we're in chapter 1 verse 12 um so jesus has just gone up to heaven in the ascension And he's promised the the Holy Spirit to come upon the the, uh, apostles and the church, the early church. So immediately after that, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So there we are. It's interesting, isn't it? This thing about us, this is a complete, this is kind of a sort of side point. When it says a Sabbath day's journey away, that's an interesting exegetical point, isn't it? I wonder what's the difference between a Sabbath day's journey and just a normal day's journey. Does it mean, I don't know, because I thought you weren't supposed to do any journeys on the Sabbath. It's interesting, isn't it?
1: <laughs> write in yeah, if you've got an that'd be worth that. that'd be worth looking into is, is that a be, slower
0: pace of... but yeah maybe it's interesting i've only just noticed that um anyway I, I suppose the thing that sort of um stood out to me here and it comes it comes up over and over again in in the book of acts isn't it is the way that when the church gathers when the early church gathers they're always devoting themselves to prayer and how this mm-hmm. is a you know this is a mark of of, of what they do they 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 seek God and they and they pray for God's guidance and the whole thing is extremely charismatic um and of course at this moment as well the context is Jesus is gone what do we do we're very beleaguered uh we don't we're waiting for the coming of the holy spirit well we we have to pray and it just seemed to me in a, in a very simple way that that that's a word from the lord for us today isn't it when we're talking about these kind of things we mustn't neglect the life of prayer um and we mustn't we mustn't neglect to ask the Lord to pour out his spirit upon the church and to bring the church back to life. Um, it, it does. I did feel pretty depressed last week after the episode, I have to say.
1: I mean, they, they didn't go yeah. away and um, get get a go to a room with a flip chart. Yeah, no, they didn't. <laughs> did yeah. Uh, yeah. They didn't run away. They went back to the center of where. You know, the worst had happened. Mm. Uh, they go back to Jerusalem um, when they could easily have run run to the hills. Uh, so I, I find that extraordinary. And as we know, they are there for ten days. We mm. we note that for for listeners who aren't aware, the church notes that in the church's liturgy from the feast of the Ascension to Pentecost Sunday. Uh, there are ten. There are ten days that are marked in the church's calendar. Um, so, um, is the, it
0: ten days or is it nine days? Because it's, a novena. Day, yeah. it's yeah. a novena, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, it depends. It depends on which days you count. I suppose. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being pedantic. But we're back to the Sabbath. <laughs> when yeah. does it start?
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, th- that that sort of quiet gathering is it's quite profound, actually, isn't it?
2: Mm. Um,
1: I, I've often joked to my own congregation maybe the best thing we could do to grow and flourish is is if I had a if I had a lock in <laughs> I ordered the sidesman to lock mm. lock us all in and for food to be delivered and we just sat here for nine days ten days and mm. prayed it out mm. yeah yeah absolutely
0: yeah and um yeah I suppose what I was what I was sort of driving at is that um It's. I think we have to be realistic about what's going on in the church, but at the same time, we mustn't approach it from a. Well, we must always promote approach it from a perspective of faith, you know, and that's that's what prayer helps us to do. It helps us to turn our hearts and our minds towards God, and to petition God to to change the situation that we're living with. And that's what we've. I I feel in the Church of England that it's, it's just a time when we have to trust and we have to be faithful. I don't know what's coming next, and you know we see these things happening sort of coming at us left and right um but it is a time when we have to trust and and know that god will re- reveal the way one way or another eventually so um anyway daniel speaking of that i think maybe instead of doing tw- let's do twitch uh, on twitter after we've talked about the sort of church stuff shall we so why don't we go um let's do another let's do another encouragement mm. keep our spirits up and then we'll get your comments on the 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 time survey And we'll talk a bit about the sort of March for Life controversy after that. Okay, so this is just a part of an email someone sent me. Um, So I'll, I'll just read this out. I wanted to end on a note of encouragement. Um, Reverend Daniel, you were quite right in your piece in The Spectator in early March about millennials flocking to BCP and traditional services. The same is true at the other end of the spectrum. Here in Oxford, St. Ebbs and Audates are getting three to 400 under 30-year-olds every Sunday evening. So those are evangelical churches. And Pusey House is attracting increasing numbers of families oh. with children as well as students. The wishy-washy middle-of-the-road parishes get very few. There is an appetite for religion amongst my Gen Zs. fellow gen z's amongst my gen z's but these want something they can sink their teeth into literally if they're good sacramental anglo catholics it gives me great hope for the future that the generations who are coming through universal university and their 20s and beginning to settle down and have families are far more likely to engage with churches that really offer them something to think about and which challenge them truthfully none of them want a vicar of dibley-esque experience of tea and cakes which tries to paper over the difficulties of life. They want something that engages with those difficulties head on and gives them meaningful answers that they can pursue, study and work on. So there we go. That's a little snapshot of life Mm. in Oxford. Oh, by the way, just for anyone who's listening and who might like to attend, I'm going to Pusey House. um, I'm going to preach on All Saints Day in Pusey House, uh, which is um, on the 1st of November. On the evening of first of November, so please do come along if you'd like to. Uh, be good to meet you, but yes, Beauty House is a great place. Yeah. But yes, yeah, we should
1: stick a pin in for Pusey House. Yeah, we could app. do.
0: Yeah, well, someone has to do it. Yeah, or we, I suppose we could do it. But anyway, um, good email, and uh, we mm-hmm. that very much summarizes what we were kind of saying. It gives uh, Oxford as a good example, but you could sort of multiply that a bit in different ways in many big cities.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that yeah, a, a generation or so ago. The normative would have been for students to go to university chaplaincies. Mm, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, um, yeah, particularly in Oxford. Exactly. To be, you be, know, to, chapels, to be yeah. part of chapel yeah. services. I'm not sure if the energy is there anymore. No. And the, you know, if I were going to, if I were, if I was seeking to have a ministry with a student population nowadays. I wouldn't take the route that I may have took her even ten years ago. And say, oh, I'll become a university chaplain. I, in fact, I've done that. I've done that in Aberdeen. Uh, I would say, look, I'm going to look for a church near a university where there hasn't where one of the one of those none of the churches are really engaged with the population mm-hmm. uh, and set up shop there, so that I'm outside all the sort of red tape um political correctness you know uh that that now being a chaplain involved in in even if you didn't believe in it i think actually operating within a university setting is is pretty yeah. hair
0: raising. oh yeah it's still for sure but daniel uh, let's get your um let's get your comments on the time survey thing because we didn't hear from you last week now i don't think we should go into this in detail because it's it you know we don't want to get sort of bogged down in it but for anyone who didn't listen to it, it's basically this survey of vicars in the Church of England that the Times took out. It was only there were only just over a thousand respondents really, so um, and it showed you know that there were uh, two thirds in favour of gay marriage in church. Uh, what else was it? It was saying about how the option for um, traditionalist Anglo-Catholics to have um, alternate episcopal oversight in terms of having male bishops uh, should be removed. Mm-hmm. It Just generally kind of showed a sort of liberalising. Further within you know to the sort of let's say sort of two-thirds majority of the clergy. Oh yeah, apparently most of the clergy voted for Brexit as well, which is not a big surprise. You didn't need a survey to tell you that. But um what was what was your sort of feeling about it, Daniel? How how did
1: you respond? D- do you mean most of the clergy voted remain?
0: Oh yeah, sorry, pardon me. <laughs> yeah, it was <whereas laughs> oh, most of the I mean, voted Brexit. against against Brexit. Um, sorry, pardon me.
1: Yeah. The the bit that really sort of got me was the the number of clergy and i know ian paul said this whole thing about you know it it's a self-selecting survey so we've got to be careful about what we're actually seeing here but um the sheer number of clergy who've considered throwing the towel in
0: oh yeah because they're all knackered and yeah um, and the
1: similar number of clergy who are thinking doubting that their church will be open in 10 years' time. Uh, that, str- that struck me as congregant to you know, anecdotal experience of particularly progressive liberal clergy who have lost the fire mm. uh, and are resigned, in a sense, to uh, uh, the liberal project failing. Mm. Uh I, I think Richard Coles said something along this line last year on going back to being a writer. And He hasn't resigned his orders, but he's not in active. He's not acting as a vicar anymore. I don't and think like, he's
0: got permission to officiate.
1: Has he not? Well, you know, yeah, and, I, don't, and think the, so. I uh, don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's asked. And, oh, you know, it, I might be wrong about, that. about yeah. The only churches that are growing are traditional conservative churches and he lamented that you know Or oh, did he actually say well, that you know yeah and i, and I thought well at least that, that's honest doesn't it because that's actually genuinely so, so quite yeah. true
0: can i clarify what you're saying so it's an interesting thought so what you're saying is that um this this sort of burnout amongst the kind of progressive liberals is a kind of in in effect it is an admission that this approach to church and church growth and so on just doesn't work. And so they can't, or is it, but is it though, Daniel? I mean, just to push push back slightly, because I think probably what they'd say is, no, what we need is we need backing from our bishops. And, you know, if the bishops were to actually, you know, go ahead and, and go forward with gay marriage in the church, then, then we would start to, we would start to see uh, the culture being more accepting and, and coming in. And I wouldn't have to justify myself, you know, this, I wouldn't have to justify these bigoted opinions and so on and so forth. Wouldn't they just say that?
1: Mm. I think there might be a strand who said that, but I think there's another strand who um, have um, just given up the ghost really on, mm. on on ministry because, you know, if it's essentially social work with a veneer of spirituality, it's so imminent and, there, and that there is, there is, they're not orientating themselves primarily to the transcendent of God mm. uh, and the truths of the scripture and so on. Uh, eventually it just becomes a job Mm. Uh, and you know jobs run out of steam Mm. Uh, you have to put up with annoying people and um, hierarchies that aren't running your revolution as fast as you want to Uh, you have to put up with all the red tape that's Mm. thrown at the church and you know if you haven't got the altar of god in your complete vision all the time uh if that isn't the priority and the prayer uh, and the, the sacrifice and the supernatural—I um, suppose I'm saying—if your life isn't one which at least aspires to be eucharistic, uh, in in all, in the wider sense of the word, you're for hiding for nothing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm terribly sorry, you know. And I—I I, some years ago, I remember I had, I had a couple of priests who who um, confided in me that they were both quite noted liberals uh, and they were coming out to retirement and they weren't going to, uh, after retirement, seek permission to officiate. They weren't going to go to church anymore, Jamie, mm. because they'd run out of steam. They're not sure whether they believed in it. And it's a bit like Richard Holloway, you know, who was the Bishop of Edinburgh, um, who's sort of journeyed so far off the edge that he's mm. now post-christian right you know, and sees christianity is toxic and um and so on and so on mm. and um yeah I I heard those things I was uh I just hit 40 uh, and when those two priests within weeks of each other said what they said I felt crikey, you know
2: mm. why am I not feeling like
1: that and I and, and after a, a a few hours of self-examination, I realized that I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be like that because, you know, I believe in it, mm. I believe yeah. in God. I believe in his miraculous presence. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe in the myth of progress. I believe that we are moving towards judgment mm. uh, and, and so on and so on. And and th- this book has authority over my life. Mm. Um, and you can throw what you like at me. Um, I'm not saying I won't buckle and bruise at times, but yeah. I'm I'm pretty dogged on the whole thing that I'm yeah. gonna be continue to be a nuisance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll get worn out, won't you? I mean, I you've said that a lot more eloquently than I I tried to say a similar thing last week. You've said it a lot more eloquently. But yeah, absolutely. It's like you don't have any, you know, you don't have any fuel in your tank. You know, you, you you can't keep going forever. You know, you need faith to do this job. I mean, pr- fundamentally, don't you? In a sense, like it's a truism, isn't it? If you were if you were trying to do anything in life, if you've got a product that you're trying to sell, you have to believe in it. You know, and if, if you're going to give your life for it, and you don't believe in it, then how are you going to do it? You can't. You can't keep doing it. You know, you can't mm. keep faking it. You need to. You need the passion
1: that's actually there. And it we have it needs to kind of. You know, you would have to. Well, what these apostles did. It's mm. been that upper room, you know, sustained uh, yeah, a life of prayer. Yeah, I hope and pray that altar down the road there, half a mile down the road, that uh, that or whatever other altar I, I, I'm given, I'm going to be at, uh, and I'll be at that altar if there's just one person there. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there, presiding over that Eucharist whether it's in good season and full or whether it's down to, to to one, because quite frankly, it's the most wonderful, glorious thing, the greatest privilege, uh, and it feeds me. Mm. You know, I, I, I long every day. I'm, I'm impatient. I wish I could put the Eucharist on every, every day. I wish I could worship in groups every day, but sometimes it's not logistically possible. But, um, you, you know, you're going to – any bishop – or, or archdeacon who tries to conclude my ministry before I, before I censor it is concluded, is going to have to drag me fingernails off mm. from, from from that altar.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's well. I think that's well said, Daniel. I think it's well said. And um, yeah, I th- we we talked about that survey a lot. So um, I think that's a gr- that's a great perspective that we need to approach these things with faith and uh, the ministry and the Christian life in general. Um, can we can we move on to talk about the March for Life and the sort of Twitter controversy that that surrounds it, which I saw you you'd embroiled yourself in, even when you were away on holiday, Daniel? I, I noticed you were still stirring the pot on Twitter in, in various different occasions. Okay, so at
1: the end, after the lot when I got to La Rochelle, I took it off my phone. I thought I've got to just not, <laughs> You've got to have a bit of a break. Yeah, I got to not look at this stuff because yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I know that the yeah. Many in the Church of England keep giving us opportunity to comment. <laughs>
0: yeah, of course, of course. But we, we all need a break from it. We do, we do. Being... We need to, we need to make these things work for us, and, and not the other way around. Um, so the March for Life happened on Saturday. It started at the Emmanuel Centre. I'd never really been before. Um, I know, I know what it's like now, and um, so I've got a good idea for future years how we might like do do more of a kind of official reverend meetup or something. But it was really good to be there. There were clearly thousands of people there. Um, it was, it was, um, it was, uh, interesting because Antifa had organized a counter protest and, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm very naive about really? this. Oh, yeah. God. I came out, came out of the, um, came out of the center and there were these masked people. They were all, they were mostly in masks. I mean, like surgical masks and some of them had those kind of Antifa bandanas kind of wrapped around their faces, but most of them were just in masks, um, like, you know, screaming and shouting and, and they were... Uh, we'll talk about the Twitter thing in a minute, but I mean, they were off the scale in terms of aggression compared to what what was going on with the, the March for Life, which was entirely peaceful. Um, it was mostly uh, there were lots and lots of Roman Catholics there, so the the marching, the main thing mm-hmm. that I heard were hymns, um, you know, lots of Marian hymns, uh, people praying the rosary and um, saying Hail Marys and stuff like that. The Antifa protesters, there was, there was one group behind us that kind of marched behind us, and then there was another group which looked like they'd been kind of um, positioned in Parliament Square, which is where the march was supposed to end up, so they'd obviously sort of, um, you know, planned it that way. It was almost like a kind of pincer movement. At
1: one stage, we... That's crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah. that, yeah. that That's crazy. I, I mean, what's Antifa going to do next? You know, um, blockade the Mother's Union
0: yeah yeah and they surround
1: the boy scouts
0: yeah lots of them had um signs there was one sign which a lot of them had which said um abortion as early as possible as late as necessary i think it said and um you know i mean if you you actually think about what that means um that is just you know straight out advocating for the murder of, of children you know i i i think there's you know the sensitive language that one has to use when we're talking about that kind of that tricky pastoral area of you know early preg- early crisis pregnancies but when you're saying things like as late as necessary you know that that could literally mean the the destruction of a 40 week old child so that's just mm-hmm. advocating child murder there's there's no there's no uh, ambiguity about that so yeah, really, really horrible. And um, when we walked past them, I mean, look, I did, I did stand face to face with them because I, I was not going to allow them to think that I was intimidated by them. I had a, I had a sign which said, "My bodily autonomy began in the womb," and I, I held it and pointed it to them, and I, I told them to read it over and over again. And at one, <laughs> at one stage, there were these four. These four women, there was kind of, they were on, I think they were on Parliament Square and we were kind of separated by kind of shrubbery or something, but we were quite close. And I was just standing there holding the sign pointing to it. And they were honestly, they were going absolutely mental, you know absolutely nuts, and one of them was really I mean they were just screaming like obscenities, you know like blasphemous obscenities, and you know i I see the image of God in these people, and I believe that they can be redeemed by Christ, but really, what I was thinking is that this is a this is a manifest this is a manifestation of demonic power in in human life here because these people are screaming blasphemies. Uh, and 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 obscenities at me because i'm suggesting that children in the womb should have their lives respected and protected and that's the thing that's the that's that has a- animated them to spend their saturday afternoon dressing up in like you know dresses which are which are stained with blood um, masking themselves, making these signs, advocating for these things, and then coming out there and, and, and showering peaceful protesters with, with abuse and obscenities. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a demonic spirit that's animating these people. And as I say, like the, the Christian attitude is not to uh, condemn them, it's to recognize God's grace in our own lives and to pray for them mm. that they that they will come to a place of repentance. But it is nothing less than that. You know, it's 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 not an issue that we can just say, oh well, you know, this is you know, this is just different points of view or whatever. Um, they're they're not just different points of view. There's a there's a point of view which comes mm. from knowing Christ and knowing the light and 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 recognizing what human beings really are, which is that they we're sacred, and there's there's a darkness, which advocates for for this this practice. Um, and and the ideology that goes with it, and uh, this yeah. is why
1: the cultural war is actually really a spiritual war, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But that in in the end, it is about uh, the, the human person and uh, um, what is a human being. Yeah. Uh, and are we just stuff? Are we meat Lego, to quote Mary Harrington, uh, or are we made in the image of God? Exactly. Uh, yeah. and it, it's basically that, you know, and it, it's this is a, a new battle in many ways for us, mm. or it's is a different version maybe of an old battle, but um it, it's it's certainly down to this what does it mean to be a human person, a human yeah. being?
0: Yeah, I agree. And you
1: know, one thing I would say
0: about I've been thinking about this since my interview with um Patrick denine is that this thing I don't I don't mind it if people want to use like rights language and that kind of stuff but I I don't think rights language is the strongest language that you can use mm. in this in this scenario. I think talking about the sacredness of life is is the most important thing to say because the problem is when you use rights language it's like you get into a kind of tit for tat yeah. argument about well it's the right of the child versus the right of the the woman you know and so it's like well whose rights are going to come out and and obviously that opens the door for people to say, well, women's rights should be preferred to the the rights of the child, and so on. And though, of course, I wouldn't agree with that argument. Nevertheless, it does make it possible. But if you insist on the sacredness of all life, that that changes the framing of the argument because you can't then say, well, a woman's a woman's right to to kill is is above the sacredness of life because sacred of sacredness of life is something that can't be trumped by rights language or or language around choice or, or something like that so i think that kind of language is 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 really important to just just insist upon the child in the womb is a human being and it is sacred humanity is sacred the image of god in humanity is sacred and it must be protected particularly when it's vulnerable and you would agree you would you know you liberals and you progressives you would agree on that when you're talking about people who are marginalised in other areas in society, so why won't you agree on it? When we're talking about the most vulnerable, the most in need of protection, which are children in the womb. I mean, how how can how can anyone disagree with that logic? It just seems to be absolutely ironclad. So that's that's the way I that's the way I see it. I think
1: that's a very interesting take on it because uh ten years or so ago, we would have in, in these sort of discussions the uh, the pro life consensus i think was to go for a rights-based yeah. conversation um a pastoral conversation certainly as well yeah. uh, but to uh, av- but to seemingly avoid the religious baggage and not to talk about sacred because it was thought oh well people don't necessarily understand uh what those concepts mean but i think from what you're saying is well, now we actually have to take a different turn on this and actually embrace the term, give it new life, give it oxygen, uh, and mm. push it forward because people have an innate sense yeah. of that. Particularly as you know, particularly society has become a less sacred space, a more technocratic space, a more digitalized space. Let's talk about sacred, yeah, you know, and let's make this say a heart-to-heart,
0: yeah, no, discussion,
1: I yeah. It's, yeah. You know,
0: I agree with that, and I think the sort of the sort of lowest common denominator argument is is not a good one. I think we have to we have to recognize that all politics and all po- political conversations are fundamentally religious in nature. Mm-hmm. It's a theological discussion fundamentally. It's how does how do, what what is the relationship of, of humanity to God, and 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 what do you think about that? If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that human beings are sacred, made in the image of God. Um, endowed with dignity which shouldn't be violated then i think you can you could there are things you can do from a kind of presuppositionalist or uh sort of theological perspective or sort of how would you say kind of a logical perspective you could you could um you could say well you know the implication of your view is that you know, marginalised people or vulnerable people should be discarded if they're no, no longer of any use or whatever. And you can kind of you could approach it from that angle, but I think it always needs to be trying to get to that that theological reality, which is that human human life is sacred and human beings are made in the image of God. And I think most people, especially in our culture, resonate with that idea, even if they're not explicitly Christian. So I, I think we do need that for sure. Speaking of which, Daniel, um, on Twitter, so a bit of controversy, there's a Twitter account called Our C of E Like, the name I've never understood, but uh, basically you have a priest taking over it each week, I think it is, and then they talk about what their their (laughs) priestly weeks have been like. Now, apparently it was some kind of traditionalist Anglo-Catholic this week, and uh, I'm assuming it was a man. He um put a he put a video up and said Rosary for the lives of unborn of the unborn being offered on the bus at March. Yeah, I, it is own. a guy
1: um is known to one of my parishioners. Oh, good. Well, good for him. And uh
0: he put this up um and he he wrote, We have prayed for those who are considering abortion and for those who are deceived, and believe it is a solution to poverty. Now, guess what, Daniel? Some priests. In the church of england and others other sort of liberals uh did not like it it was a surprise surprise um now, now i'm not casting aspersions here i'm just merely reporting what was said um alice jolly who is a parish priest at saint benedict's in cambridge said there is a difference between sharing a snapshot one week and irresponsibly using this platform to spread such egregious right-wing views. And here you go, Daniel, you've stirred the pot here where you've replied. Can you please tell me why you think, sorry, why you, as a vicar, think that a video clip of Christians praying for the unborn and victims of abortion is wrong? I was raised right-wing. I'm baffled. And she wrote, it's not the prayers, it's the busload of men on their way to scream in the faces of women during a march, campaigning for an end to free legal access to abortion. I trust you know the E's official position on this matter. I certainly do. And then you've written, this is a very strange reply. I remain baffled. The assumptions and caricatures being insinuated. I think I'll leave it at that. Seems pointless to carry on. And then um, you say, there's somebody else just talked about how you're blocked and so on. I replied and said, uh, specifically to this thing about um, screaming in the faces of women. I wrote, that didn't happen, Alice. I was there. The only people screaming were the Antifa counter-protesters who were showering the peaceful pro-lifers, men, women, and lots of children with diabolical epithets and i have to say as well this thing about men you know, um, it i I can, I can see like the back of three four men's heads and then it looks like mm-hmm. on the left there might be two women but but there were loads of women at the march for life uh, there were loads oh. and loads of women like mothers young single women like carrying their placards like really um you know really bold in the face of these mm-hmm. anti lunatics um you know it's inspiring to see these these young women there who are who are standing up for the for the the lives of the unborn this you know this this characterization i mean so you know why would you say um they're on their way to scream in the faces does she know this has she been to a march for life i i can tell you it's of course, yes. nothing nothing like that at all and uh it's not it's not an issue of campaigning to to end free legal access to abortion it's about um it's about Saying that the lives of the unborn should be protected, and 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 then there's a there's a, there is another related though separate question about the legality of abortion and so on and so forth. But um, this is a complete mischaracterization of what was happening on 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 the day. There were no no women were having their faces. Where would these women even be? You know, or well, just sort of bystanders on the road who just screaming in the faces of, of women. There, you know, it was completely the other way around. It was the pro life. Uh, marches were the ones who were being abused it, you
1: know Talk about getting it wrong
0: well a ridiculous tweet um and and then i think there was more on this wasn't there i was mean, there,
1: I, 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 I think there probably was i've lost track to be honest but uh, there
0: was there was a further tweet about how she, she because this is this is what these um uh, progressive liberals always do they write they write something which is which is controversial and then they get replies and then they immediately write another post saying that they have been abused because people have disagreed with their, with their post. Um, and oh yeah, here it is. Ah, uh, so nice to start Sunday morning with a backlog of men telling me I'm not a priest. Thank goodness for the block button. So she had, so she is doing, um, she is doing lots of block, blocking. Um, so anyway, so, it, so then it sort of carries on, but anyway, um, the, I think the one of the sort of um, contentious points there as well is that uh, you know I trust you know the C of E's official position. Um, I think the C of E's official position is that abortion in the vast majority of cases is is not uh, morally justifiable, and they leave a small amount of um, they leave a small amount of room for abortion in in the in cases where like the mother's life might be threatened. And then I don't know. if There's some ambiguity around what the what the actual position is, but it's certainly it's certainly not that you know it should be reflect like the, our current society's a ta- take on it is acceptable. Or, I don't. Do you know about this Daniel?
1: Yeah, I, and, I, and I think when you say that we've got to be careful because in a sense that's they're not necessarily speaking ex cathedra is is, is the bishops yeah, yeah. having an agreed statement yes. on it? Yes. Um, that they could, in the majority, sign up to, uh, whereas you can argue that the deposit of faith, you know, the Ten Commandments, the Scriptures, have uh, a much tighter, mm, of course, even of of of, of that. I, I'm always a bit dubious when somebody says the C of E says, uh, because um, the C of E, as we know, is such a diverse body. Yeah. But we can easily be captured by an intern in church house who puts out a policy statement on the hoof.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's reflects,
1: and reflects nobody's view at all. Yeah. But, you know, is just what that particular person thought others might like to hear.
0: Yeah, I, I just I thought it was um important to respond to this because she is doing she's doing that, isn't she? She's sort of saying that the C of official position. And I was trying to find it because she's also saying that um Somewhere else, she said the C of E does not compa- campaign against abortion, as though. Well, I don't. I don't really know where she's getting that from. Why does she? Why does she get to say how people in the Church of England approach to mm. a- approach the issue of abortion? Uh, well, we can't. No, I mean, it,
1: you know, the, again, the Church of England is its people, mm. um, not its governing body.
0: Mm. Yep. Yep.
1: Uh, you know, so the C of E does campaign against abortion because you, even if you were the only one, the only Anglican there, you were there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And there were, there were lots of Anglicans there. So they do, they do, Mm. they do. Um, And as many people have pointed out, the earliest Christian explicit mention of abortion outside of scripture is in the Didache Mm
2: -hmm. uh,
0: from AD 70, there are two ways, one of life and one of death. You shall not murder a child by abortion or kill a newborn infant. And that's the oldest known
1: Christian catechism. So I, I guess the, and the- we know the Romans loved their abortions. They said, they uh, no yep. uh, you know, and uh, it's one of the things that marked out the Christian church was the uh, rescuing of children and and the appropriate burial of those who had been uh, aborted or killed at birth.
0: Yeah, Absolutely yeah so i mean i guess the point being that the the idea that the you know let's call it pro life position is somehow you know outside the bounds of acceptability in the church of england is somewhat um questionable let's say to use, use a rhetorical understatement anyway i just thought that was interesting um daniel before we do final email and a bit of a question to rev let's uh, should we have a little listen to some something Oh, should we do this? Are we going to do this for something different? Let's have a let's have a little listen. So I actually did a tweet about this and I got um, I got criticized, which I found amazing. But let's let's have a uh, let's have a listen to um, a lady on TikTok who has gone viral. I don't actually know her name, but I know this was retweeted by Matt Walsh. So um, just for a little snapshot of where our culture is at. Here we go. It's
2: 1045 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm 29 and single.
0: Can you hear this, by the way? Is this coming through? Okay, Karen.
2: I don't have kids yet. Here's what your Saturday morning looks like when you're single at 29 and you don't have a kid running around the house. I didn't rise from my bed until 10, 15. Every time I thought I should probably get up and do something, I thought, why? Nobody's making me. and I'm not missing out on anything. I went to Beyonce last night and I didn't get home until 1 a.m. and I danced and drank my little heart out and I didn't pay a babysitter to watch my kids as I did that. And I woke up a tad hungover this morning, which is probably why I was in bed for so long. And I was just scrolling on my phone and i saw a picture of shakshuka and i thought you know it sounds really good maybe i'm gonna learn how to make shakshuka today
0: do you know what shakshuka is daniel if you come across it i think it's it's um it's like tomato sort of spicy tomato sauce with eggs in it you can make it with sausage meat in the in the tomato sauce as well which is actually really really nice so but it's not that complicated that's one thing i would say i mean she sort of say oh i'm gonna sort of master this and stuff it's very very easy very easy won't take it the whole day
2: I have no plans and I don't have kids and I don't have a husband and I don't have errands to run. I can go to the grocery store and learn how to make shakshuka. So that's on my agenda today.
0: She should read it in a recipe book. Don't go to the grocery store to learn. You go to the grocery store to buy the ingredients. You see, there's different, different.
2: Also on my agenda, probably a rewatch of some Real Housewives of New York. I'm also doing a rewatch of Normal People on Hulu, which is really spicy and I highly recommend. Weirdly, I'm into this documentary on Netflix about Blue Zone countries, so I've got a pretty stacked day. Anyway, I say all this to say, whenever I'm hard on myself about why I'm not married and I don't have kids and I should be further along at 29, almost 30, I wouldn't want to do anything else this Saturday. I know that you can do all these things when you have kids and you're married and I understand.
0: You can't do all those things when you you can't be simultaneously watching three different box sets, Just, just putting that in there.
2: But the effortlessness and ease of my life, just kind of focusing on myself and the shakshuka I want to make or the Beyonce concert I want to go to really pays off when I'm hard on myself for not being where society tells me I should be in life.
0: A number of people have pointed out that society <laughs> doesn't really tell her she shouldn't be in this place in her life, but actually would commend her for her decisions. So it's it's kind of interestingly framed in terms of, well, I'm being sort of radically countercultural by not being married and I'm 29 and not having any kids. But isn't that exactly one, what the culture tells you to do? Not get married, focus on your career, go to a Beyonce concert, watch TV, scroll on your phone, um, make shakshuka um, with your Saturday afternoon. You know, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, what's your, what's your take, Daniel? I've
1: got this image in my head of um, Edward Munch as um, the scream.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> you know,
1: that yeah. the, 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 God bless her at some point in her life. In a way, I hope she will she so will come to that precipice of, oh, my God, what have I done? Yeah. Where am I? Where am I going? Why am I so dissatisfied with everything? Yeah, mm. that, that uh, If you'd have recorded an interview with this person maybe a hundred years, someone like this a hundred years ago, mm. you know, a... Um, I suspect you'd have had a more heroic story. You know, I'm single, so I'm going to travel the world, educate myself. I'm going to, you know, roll up my sleeves and work in a field hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to uh, make the best possible version of myself to help others, you know, um, and we know that, you know, on the other side of the gender, there would have been chaps who would have said, oh, you know, I'm not married, so I'm able to, for instance, go to war and serve my country in perhaps a more dynamic way mm. that that a married man can't. Mm. Um, because I owe something to the society and civilization and country that has given me all these benefits. Mm. And what I hear from this sad soul is someone who thinks that life is simply about taking and, uh, you know, gorging on happiness and their own dopamine. Mm. Um, they're in a sort of spiritual doom scrolling. Mm. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, The way
0: I felt was just sort of sad. It was almost like she was trying to convince herself that her life was was good, but her life just lacks any sort of sense of meaning. And you need meaning, don't you, in life in order to really be happy. So even if she does have these things, I can't really imagine that she's. You know, they're not. They're not going to fulfil her in a kind of deep down way. And even if she thinks they do. You know, that's only well, even if they do for a time, let's say that's not going to it's not going to last. And she's just she's she's sort of investing in in making herself the most kind of shallow, superficial person you can possibly imagine. She's not even reading books. But if I if I didn't have any responsibility, you know, I didn't have any kids and I wasn't married and I had loads of free time. I'd at least read books, you know. I'd read novels, you know, because I really like reading and I like learning and stuff like that. But it's not even like I'm going to learn something. The only thing she wants to learn is how to make shakshuka. And that's really easy. You know, I mean, that will take you like five minutes if you're not a complete moron. So, you know, she's not even learning anything. But mm-hmm. as as you can imagine, Daniel, I, I've been I, I retweeted it and I said, look, this might sound a bit harsh now. I don't know, but I, I wrote this is really sad. Prayers for this woman who may have shakshuka, but she has no soul. And you know, people to a, a number of. Uh, I have to say, they are they look like clergy women um who who seem to be the demographic who object when this does happen. When, <laughs> when this does on the hate list, it, it tends it tends to be them. But they seem to have taken that somewhat literally, right? So they're sort of say, "What do you mean she's got no soul?" So this person says, how can we judge? No soul. Her choices are different, maybe, to yours and mine. She's actually written yours in mine. I don't think she means that. But this is only a tiny tiny snippet of all her life is. So many choose a child-free life. I think the point she's making might be that she has challenges with society accepting who she chooses to be. And Ian actually replied to that and wrote, a narrative based on I have no obligations to anyone else so I can just do what I want is hardly a challenge to contemporary culture. And Mm. I wrote, I wrote, exactly I wonder if Sarah, this woman, would have the same attitude towards me if I revealed my outlook on life to her. She hasn't replied to that. And then there's another lady who's – she's this this lady, she's great. Her name – so you know on Twitter profiles when somebody wants to, like, signpost something to you? So her name is, on Twitter, Dr. Penelope Caldo, and her Twitter profile picture is literally a picture of her back with her doctoral hood on. So just to be clear – she's got a doctoral degree okay so she's this is one smart cookie we're dealing with here this is somebody with a doctorate okay doctor penelope that's doctor even on twitter even on twitter it's doctor all right so and she's written what what with an exclamation mark it's like what what because she's single and is having a normal saturday off that's outrageous She's single. What? Because she's single and it's having as and it's having a normal Saturday. This is just a normal Saturday, Daniel. This is a completely normal Saturday. A, a, a day completely devoid of any human contact. A day, a day on which on which no other human beings are are spoken of, and the only possible consideration is watching three box sets and making shashuka and getting up. It didn't even sound like she'd been with anyone at the Beyonce concert. She just said, "I was a." at a Beyonce concert she didn't even say I'd been there with friends I mean just on a pastoral level I'd be concerned if I knew that somebody I I was caring for in some way was going to a Beyonce concert by herself and getting drunk and then waking up with a hangover and then she had nothing to do except for make shakshuka I'd be concerned I'd be saying to her look you need friends and cuz this thing is that like even friendship is an obligation isn't it like friendship is it's it's a two way street you actually need to give something to be a friend to someone you have to give your time and you have to care about that person in order to be a so it's not normal this kind of thing at all so thank you dr
1: penelope cal um, but, but if um if the culture is all about me and my choice yes and this sort of religion of the self uh and there are people within the Church of England, you know, ministers who think, oh, we've got to appease this. Mm. We've got to kind of cosy up to this, uh, that life is just a an endless buffet of choices uh mm. and affirmations. If if that's the sum of it, then I mean, Lord, that's pretty depressing, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, how is that kind of person going to react when something monumental happens, societal or personal? Uh, you know, it, Is their vision of their life, like in Huxley's Brave New World, that uh, in their riper years, they will walk to the happy death centre? Yeah. Well, that where, where they'll be evaporated and completely forgotten about. Yeah, well she could
0: just end her life uh, in one of those those suicide pods, couldn't she? Mm. You know, when she's had yeah. enough of once she's had enough of making shakshuka or whatever is 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 recommended in the BBC, you know, good food guide, and she's watched all the box sets, she could just think, well, I'm gonna decline into old age, and so I'll just go in a suicide pod now. And I know that sounds sort of Flippin', but that is genuinely the way I think some people probably think. It's like, well, life is about pleasure. Uh, I'll take what I can. And then when I start to decline, I will just, you know, just kill myself because it kind of follows logically, doesn't it? And it reminds you know,
1: me. I, I reread um, on holiday C.S. Lewis's discarded image.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah it's great. One worth. of the things
1: he says is that we we misinterpret the medievals. The medie- medievals were, were a very curious as a people and very bookish mm. more so than we think, even though they were bookish, though, there weren't many books. Yes. Uh, and their culture was geared towards that, that incredible sense of curiosity and imagination. Uh, and sometimes they got it wrong. Sometimes they often they got it more right than we might like to admit. Uh, and I think, you know, if you took Sarah, Back 500 years in the TARDIS and belonged to in medieval Shropshire, I think these people would think, who is this moron? Mm. Uh, who lacks such curiosity and imagination? Who is spiritually so flat? Mm. What's what's gone wrong with them? Yeah. You know, uh, is in, in, in the inferno um one of the the sins is that kind of despondency, and people mm. have, you know maligned dante for saying oh he's put depressed people in hell mm. but actually he's he's putting the, those who have actively chosen a pointless life
0: yeah those are people who are driven around by like a powerful wind aren't they I think. yeah like yeah I rightly yeah
1: uh and they, yeah. they they flip from thing to thing that they're, they're mm. the, the medieval doom scrollers
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah just driven about for driven know, from about one thing from to one another.
1: from one choice to another from yeah. one sort of
0: yeah, by like passion, by trends and society and so on. So they're just kind of moved around. That's why Dante has those kind of poetic, you mm. know, the punishments are like poetic justice, aren't they? To sort of be tormented by a <laughs> wind that pushes you around and sort of makes you fly around.
1: And you just think, Sarah, you are you not curious? You know, has, has, I, I can't get my head around someone not having that insatiable desire for knowledge and for truth. I just can't get my head around it. Mm. Why? Why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you want to not know? What is it that's so terrifying uh, about the world, epistemologically, that you would think oh, I'd rather just sit in a box, mm. watching the telly, and having the occasional glass of wine with friends, and go to a concert, and not be curious about how I might? Live my life as a married person, or as a you know, working in bengali as a charity worker, or yeah, having children, um, being being on the, mother. having children, yeah. doing something, direction, having some direction in my life. Yeah, there's
0: also a um, yeah. there's also a kind but, of principle in terms of just just without even talking about it in Christian terms or religious terms, um, that you know things are more enjoyable when they are delayed. And when you have less of them, right, and you can obviously take that principle to an extreme, but you know if you only drink wine once a week, then it's far more enjoyable than drinking it every single mealtime, you know, so if you're always <laughs> living a life of pleasure, pleasure sort of becomes boring, you know so there's yeah. there's even that you know it reminds me of the scripture when Jesus you know talks about this is just in my mind because I was preaching on it last week, but um you know when he says, um he who seeks to save his life or lose it." I was thinking about that a lot, and I think it must mean something like this. It's like if you just stack up things without, without any kind of um, thought of of God and of eternity, and of cultivating your own soul, then you are ultimately going to end up with nothing, you know. And that that is the that's the sad reality. I mean, let, let's hope this woman, you know, finds no. Christ. Uh, that that Greek
1: translation is psyche. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's. Lose your psyche, actually disintegrate within yourself. Yeah. And and you began by saying your reply was about, I think Sarah doesn't have a soul anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, Exactly. There's no
1: animating in the old sense of the word. There's nothing animating that's collecting her together, that's giving her direction and push.
0: Yeah. And I didn't mean just like an avatar. Yeah. And when I say no soul, I didn't mean like literally her soul has disappeared. But if you if you think about the words of Christ in that passage, when he says, you know, uh, what will it gain? What will it gain a man if he? Uh, sorry, what will it profit a man if he gain the world lo- though lose his soul? For what will it? For what can a man give in exchange for his soul? He's not talking about it like as a kind of binary thing. Is in like you have a soul or, or you don't? It's like you you cultivate your soul. You make mm-hmm. it something um something real and 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 meaningful and and profound and and great within you and or or not and and you that's a choice you can become a magnanimous person you know uh, uh, which is you know literally magnanimous has kind of connotations of being being big you know being mm. large and weighty and significant or you become a small insignificant um kind of puny and uh, and irrelevant person and that's that's the point here is that
1: if, you, you, if know, you just
0: do this with your life that's what you're going to become
1: if your eye is in darkness what darkness indeed it is
2: mm.
1: yes it's a sermon yeah. on the mount doesn't it yeah. Um, yeah. yeah yeah that that, that the uh, the greeks and the semitic people had the sense of the spiritual eye what you open yourself to what you let in and if there's no discipline if it's you're just an empty vessel Amen. Amen. You, you're, you are inc- intensely
0: diminished. Of course. Danny, we're going to have to move on because mm. I want to finish in about just under 15 minutes would be really good. So um, good. just before we move on to our final encouraging email and a question to Rev, uh, just to say, uh, please do think about supporting this podcast. We rely upon the listeners support um we don't do adverts or anything like that but we do need your support to cover the cost of this episode and also to help me live and to help us do other things like buy merchandise and things like that so if you want to do all of those things then please go to reverendpod.com and consider becoming a patreon today click on the big red button you can get uh, the episodes early you can get our special bonus audio podcast, which is called Uncollar, where we uncollared, where we chat about other things, you know, which don't come up in the podcast. And uh, I think it's a very interesting podcast. It's a, it's only short, but it's it's a little snippet of our lives. And you can do all this for as little as one pound fifty plus VAT in the UK. Per month, one pound fifty per month It's nothing, it's so little, but it makes such a big difference to us. So, please do consider becoming a patron. Go to erevenpod.com and click on the big red button. Uh, I don't get paid by my church, I just have a house and I make my income online largely. So, please do consider doing that. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Or you can buy us a coffee, it's in the same place, erevenpod.com. Click on the big yellow button, buy us a virtual coffee, 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 uh, or a metaphorical coffee, and uh, leave us a nice encouraging message and if by the way if anyone has any encouraging stories about stuff they've been seeing in their lives you know in the church or people who become christians send them to us at reverendpod at gmail.com we really appreciate that but do uh support the podcast we you know we rely on your support and uh, we really appreciate that um one pound 50 per month is not very much even give more fantastic um go to the website and do that please right final encouraging email daniel um hi this is andrew i've recently discovered your podcast over the last few days and wanted to thank you for the hard work and intellectual content of this i'm in my 40s and was raised an anglican being baptized confirmed and attending a church school like many people i lapsed during my teens and 20s and returned to the faith over the last few years after finding modern life empty and devoid of meaning I'm generally a conservative slash orthodox believer and despair at the world sometimes, especially with the current obsession with identity politics. It is refreshing to hear people with similar thoughts and opinions to me. I listen to similar style podcasts, but most are based in the USA. So it's great to hear one based in the UK. I discovered you whilst listening to your interview with Calvin Robinson, who is another contemporary. I also enjoy listening to too. I live in a small village and have started to attend church again. I particularly enjoy going to the 8 a.m. service as that I find is the most peaceful and simple service and soothes my soul. Thanks again. Uh, keep up the good work. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Andrew. Um, that is a brilliant email. And of course, we love hearing things like that. And We wish you all the best.
1: So yeah, we're getting these fantastic stories nearly daily mm-hmm. coming through, you know, and um, here we are. Three Vickers with uh, laptops, a webcam each, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not multi millions, uh, and it's a great privilege to be able to hear those fantastic stories. And um, uh, you know, it's a shame that we're, I think, potentially the only podcast doing this in the UK. But um, it's been many. wonderful. It's been wonderful to. It's been a fantastic privilege in my life. Last two two odd years to. Uh, Uh, to daily hear these stories uh, in an environment where normally the narrative is of of decline.
0: Yes. Amen. It doesn't have to be that way. It's not in decline Mm. everywhere. It might be in decline overall, but it's not in decline everywhere.
1: Uh, You know, and tap, 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 dear Church of England bosses, there are lots of people like Andrew who are having Mm. these stories. This is every day this is coming to me Jamie and Tom why aren't you listening to the to these people yep. why are you not engaging with them please engage with them mm. amen is there Goodbye. someone out there listening for goodness sake because these people want church
0: yeah, yeah, good questions, Daniel. Good questions, and uh, we don't. You know what we we can do is we can speak when we're given the opportunity. You know, like I was asked to be on Radio Four this week, which I've you know I've never never been on uh, sort of national radio or anything before, only very very briefly. But bishops and others have much. They've their voices are amplified. And, and I think they really need to start paying attention to to these things that you know it's not only us, it's not you know other people are tapping into it in a much bigger way than we are, yeah. and, we are. and
1: I know I you know we've we've had the label rascals uh, that we are rascally voices. I think it was specifically so, you Daniel yeah, that we're, we're somehow you know, anti-church of England that we're on our way out. Uh, I think you know bishops and others, please listen to us, I can't but underline this, Jamie, myself and Tom are every week encouraging people to go to church. Mm. And we're sometimes getting quite a lot of kickback from that, from folks say, well, I go to church and the vicar rolls his eyes or gives me pushback because uh, my concerns are different to his. My sense of uh, the world is uh, not as progressive. We are telling people, attend your church, local if possible, Mm. encourage one another into fellowship and the breaking of the bread, the Eucharist, Um, come to the sacraments, get baptised if you're not baptised. We are not in any ways, it would be so easy to caricature what we're doing here and have been doing for two years in irreverent uh, as somehow some uh, back-ended dissident group within the Church of England, trying to put people off Christianity for our own egos.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, You know, fantastic. Andrew is one of many stories that we receive each week. Mm. Yes. In the face of supposed decline.
0: Yes, indeed. It doesn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. Yep. Daniel, it's time for this. Here we go. I had it ready this week. Oh, turn it down too much not a professional um, right here we go it's time for Question the Rev uh, with our wonderful theme tune uh, composed and recorded by Vaughan There's another legend. I'm using the word legend now partly to wind people up because I found this kind of thing where a lot of people kind of they don't like uh, they don't like it when we use colloquial speech. They think we should we should use um, more formal speech. And I I kind of mean it in an ironic way, Daniel, because I never use the word legend in in my ordinary life. Uh, But I but I'm going to do it just to wind people up. Um, So if you tell me not to use a word on the podcast or to use a specific phrase, there's always a chance that might just make me do it more. So just 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 saying I don't want to be petulant. Anyway, here we go. It's completely different. Dear Daniel, Tom and Jamie, I'm really interested to hear your views on how we should apply the fourth commandment about the Sabbath as New Testament Christians. Most Christians I know are conservative evangelicals and the emphasis is on going to church on Sunday, but not being Puritan in inverted commas about it. Uh, because Jesus said the Sabbath is for us and not the other way around. However, it troubles me that we Christians happily shop, eat out, catch public transport, go to the cinema, meet for a coffee, et cetera, on a Sunday, without considering how our actions are fueling Sunday employment and this making it harder for people to go to church. I've started to feel we should make more of a stand. What are your views? Where would you draw the line for Sunday activity? I know jobs for certain people like paramedics, midwives and vicars have to happen on Sundays. Yeah, they do. Uh, but should we avoid supporting Sunday employment in all cases where it isn't necessary or just accept people choose to work an extra day a week to make ends meet and boycotting Sunday trading won't make any difference. I'm interested in your views. I love the podcast and value your wisdom. Thank you very much, Louisa.
1: I, I was really disappointed in the late 1980s when the Sunday trading act was uh, enacted. I think I, I as a rather precocious I, what would I have been, sort of 15, 16 year old? I've I got, I got a feeling I wrote to my member of parliament, or even to Mrs. Nice. Thatcher, to say yeah. that I thought that this was some sort of national apostasy. Yeah. Um, And it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing that that happened under Thatcher, isn't it? It really, yeah, yeah, I think uh, about it, I suppose it's supposed to
0: stalwart of conservatism that that happened under Thatcher. Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to so. interrupt. Uh,
1: no, no. I, and um, I, I remember being truly disgusted by it. And uh, as I. Per- it had this uh, renewal of faith at seventeen. Uh, I I think really up till about my thirties, I was hyper strict, right, about it. And um, you know, not that being showy, but uh, there there was a whole load of boundaries of what I would wouldn't do. And uh, and I remember my first weekend at university, shocking friends by putting on a suit mm. and walking to church. Nice. Uh, I think I went to Canterbury Cathedral. Actually, I was going to ask where you, were, you uh, went. You and, um, where you Kent. Walked from Keynes College down the hills you, you oh, yeah, know, nice. yeah. uh, in a suit and tie, and friends were like, "What the what the FNL are you doing?" "What are you what are doing, what like, you doing uh, man? What are you, what do? you doing? <laughs> oh, why are you going down the hill in the suit?" And I was yeah, like, and "That kind of stuff." You got a job interview. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I said like, oh, something precocious. Yes, with Jesus Christ, <laughs> and uh, yeah.
0: I have a job that, interview that, for the post of Fisher of Man, man Thank you very yes. much. <laughs> uh, and or Fisher of
1: Men probably. Sorry, God, and, and that. that was it. You know, uh, yeah. that th- that was part of my. Like, I, I, I think I got a bit. I probably got a lot laxer subsequently, and um, it, it troubles me. And I, and I think you know why. Why are we doing? I mean that. Uh, at times I think that there might be something to be said for a cultural movement which said we should have, for instance, a digital sabbath on Sundays. Mm. Yeah. yeah that we should put down, put down the phones, folks, you yeah. know, yeah. put down the screens, play board games, just talk to each other, you yeah. know. Um my um, my grandfather who brought me up in the East End, he was um, I think they call a Goyan boy. It, it well, you got paid a shilling mm. on Shabbat to go. To Jewish homes and light the candles,
2: no, because they can't to, switch the lights on, on and off. Yeah.
1: You know, to do yeah. the, to do the, uh, yeah. and he actually loved it and he thought it was a fantastic. He was really haunted by the whole experience mm. of it, uh, and thought that this was um, uh, such a, a fabulous witness and mm. um, so culturally different. But my my family returned to church rather late in life, mm. um, so that was like when I was in my sort of mid-teens, we started going to church afresh. Um, But even then, you know, Sundays in the 1980s, until that law came in, was very, very quiet. You know, I mean, you'd be lucky if a garden centre was open and and news agents only opened up for like a couple hours on Sunday morning to sell the newspapers and then closed up. Mm. Uh, It was rather lovely. I can remember at one point as a Student, I was about 18, walking through London, Oxford Street, and it's completely closed mm. on, a, on a Sunday. And it was such an incredibly wonderful feeling of, you know, your voice echoing up and down mm. the streets. So we don't have that. We don't have that now. But, you know, personally, I put my hand up uh, as a hypocrite. that I'm probably not, you know, I've gone to the cinema on Sundays and gone to restaurants and what have you. Uh uh, but I, I think, yeah, you know, like like I was saying at the beginning about this, you know, Sunday best. Perhaps that there is something to be thought through and revived here. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's good. It's good to have a question that puts us on the hop. My, my wife and I thought years ago of going to go and live instead of coming to Salkham. We were very tempted to go off grid mm. to like the islands, you know, the Western Isles or whatever, where it, you know the Sabbath is major. Mm. Yeah. Even now, you don't hang up your washing mm. on a Sunday. Mm. Uh, you, you there are no shops open. I think they had a big to do about ten years ago when they voted as a community to allow the ferry to come in, right? With tourists, yeah. Um, but there's nothing much for the tourists to do except walk around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, it, it's a. It's maybe something that we should all. Perhaps, yeah, smaller Orthodox Christians, I think, need to come back to. I think Roman Catholics are pretty bad at this, actually. Really, with with, with the greatest respect, you know, uh, as as a tradition that's generally fairly pointed on the the, the mm. crossing the dots and you know, crossing the Ts and dotting the Is mm. on the law that they're quite prescriptive. That that the Sabbath is not something that apart from attending church on Sunday. Mm. It's a very minimalist view, yeah, of, of the yeah. Sabbath, and I think that's a shame. Actually, I think that, that there would be something for a, you know a future pope making some edict, saying you know thou shalt not work on the Sunday, yeah, yeah thou shalt yeah. not do X, Y, and Z in the context of the twenty first century. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the thing about Sunday trading laws is a really good example of how politics is fundamentally theological in nature, Um, mm-hmm. because. Uh, Whether or not you have Sunday trading laws reflects the faith or not of a nation, Mm -hmm. and and I think that that is the the moment you mentioned. I think that's an extremely significant moment for us culturally when we did away with the Sabbath, uh, with the Sabbath um, or or, what you know Sunday trading laws or whatever you want to call it. But essentially, it's a doing away of the Sabbath, and there's 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 something about the Sabbath which I think uh, marks a culture out as distinctively christian and i have to say i think it marks out a life as distinctively christian as well because work and money and commerce and toil it it is an idol which needs to be put in its place You know, and there's so much, there's so much profundity when you start thinking about the Sabbath. I've I've just started recently thinking about it. I've been reading a book by a Jewish writer called Abraham Heschel, which is called the Sabbath, which is a a really interesting book, not a Christian, but still has some really interesting things to say. But yeah, no, I'd be absolutely in favor of bringing back Sunday trading laws and ceasing all economic activities on Sundays. If I was elected prime minister, that's what I, that's the first thing I do, um, I wouldn't force people to go to church, but I'd make it so that the church was basically the only thing happening on Sundays and uh, yeah, an economic activity. That, that'd was be brilliant. so cool. It, was, it um, would be amazing. Can you imagine what would happen to our culture if that happened? Can you imagine mm-hmm. how many more people would go to church if the mm-hmm. only thing that there was to do was to go to church? And this is why, you know, this is. I, I just repeat this point. Politics is theological. It's fundamentally theological. It's about what your value, what your values are. You know, from 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 lesser, more innocuous values to your ultimate values. Oh. And if you're if you're a Christian nation, you promote Christianity, and one of the ways you promote Christianity is by Sabbath laws. Having said that, um, I don't. I, this this question's made me think about my my what mm. I, I think what I've been doing for many years because I've been involved in ministries. Thinking, well, you know, Sundays are kind of like a working day. No, yeah, so, I I've not tried really,
1: it's, not it's, I've tried not to think about it in that way.
0: Actually, I, I'm, yeah, well maybe I shouldn't. But but what it's made me do oh. it, it,
1: I've haven't I have not i
0: have not thought about the you know Sabbath as resistance thing, resisting the capital, yeah. yeah. you know, the sort of devouring marketplace, which which sort of takes a, absolutely everything, including the Sabbath day. But maybe I should, maybe I should maybe I should just yeah. have economic transactions on, on Sundays.
1: I, I, I'm I open to it. I'll do it. Yeah, do yeah. It. I, I think it's, it's it's a really interesting question, isn't it? And uh, I mean, two, two, two briefings come to mind. One in my last parish, I knew a couple of parishioners who worked in supermarkets as practising Christians. And if you did not sign up to mm. working on a Sunday, uh, you were punished. Yeah. And that included that you got to be the person who did the toilets.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah.
1: You got the crappy jobs. Yeah. Uh, you never got promoted. And this friend of mine said, um, I take it as an honor. Mm, amazing. That I'm cleaning the loo's and I know I've been punished because I won't work on Sunday mm-hmm. because of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, gosh, that's, you know, what an extraordinary position to to, to take. How how inspiring it is, mm. is that? And I think on the Sunday when people say, oh, Vicar, it's the only day you work, I actually – I, I rebuttal them and say I don't work on a Sunday. I, I would be, as a Christian man, father, coming to church anyway. Mm. Uh, what I try not to do for Sunday is um, I try to make the afternoon family-orientated mm. uh, so that after Sunday worship, which is normally just in the morning, that the rest of the day is not – I'm not at my desk you know, we are doing family stuff. Um, and yes, hand up. That might include going to, you know, bowling or going to the cinema or whatever. But it is a family invested time. Yeah. Uh, and um all the preparations, my work during the week is, is for me to be able to come on Sunday and feel that the morning is as near as I can make it, my Shabbat. Now, that's different from a day off because you and I need the equivalent I suppose of a Saturday <laughs> we need a day where we can sort our personal stuff out you know maybe mm. do some um you know go to the gym or <laughs> go for a swim just be able to switch off and get away from uh, mm. the, the cabin fever that can be parochial life but I try to I try in my ministry to keep Sunday as a as a Shabbat
0: mm. Sabbath yeah it's an interesting perspective I think the other thing that is um, a good point that this person raises here is about considering other people and the way that, you know, if you if you make economic transactions on a Sunday, you are essentially supporting a system that keeps people (laughs) work on Sundays. And, And it's not I mean, you know, one sort of assumes in our culture that most of those people are not Christians. But even so, if you want to be consistent about it, if you want to say to people you shouldn't work on Sundays, well, then we also should say well i'm not going to fund work on sundays in that case if i if i'm not going to support working working on sunday i shouldn't support it in any way whether mm-hmm. that's in word or indeed so i think there's a, there's an interesting point there as well
1: no yeah
0: definitely. but that's i mean it's an interesting question we we actually just one final thing on this we actually started having a a, a sabbath day not on sunday because in trying to do that most well when when we can i mean a lot of the time on saturday if not saturday then another day because uh, my working week is quite flexible but that that um is is hugely beneficial just in terms of switching off the phone um you know n- not going on the internet intentionally spending time with family not buying stuff not making economic transactions that it does it does something to your soul you know when you when you're completely switched off from that from that world uh, and you can just enjoy um, yeah, I'm not sort of highly legalistic about it. You know, sometimes I watch some football or whatever, but you know, just enjoy the world, you know, go for a walk, enjoy the enjoy the enjoy the sunshine, listen to the birds singing, spend time with each other, play games, you know, just switch off from the system. I think that's a really good thing to do. But then again, there is something which I think is highlighted by this um this piece is you know that there is something about Sunday that we need to contend for corporately, even if you can have a sort of Sabbath day on another day. We still need to contend for that Sunday corporately. So really good email. Really good. Daniel, we have to finish. um, Now, Daniel, have you got some prayer that you can do for us? Have you got a prayer you can do? Yeah, I'll
1: do the collect for last Sunday. Let us pray. Almighty God, who called your holy church to bear witness that you were in Christ reconciling the world to yourself, Help us to proclaim the good news of your love, that all who hear it may be drawn to you through whom who was lifted up on the cross and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen.
0: Amen. Love you Daniel. And now we say thank you to everyone for listening. Do uh, support the show if you can at ReverendPod.com. We'd really appreciate that. Become a Patreon now, today. Uh, but if you can't do that, it's no problem. Um, we need to remember what is the uh, keep. keep, I say keep watch and you say keep the faith do you know about this there's sign off okay so the sign off now I think Tom and I decided is I say until next time keep watch and then you say keep the faith okay so is that right you got your line keep the faith Um, okay so thanks everyone for listening and uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and until next time keep watch
1: keep the faith